Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I have with me the president of strategic talent management, Sue MacArthur. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And with the 30 years of experience you got, you have at your company, uh, we're going to talk about how to hire the best talent for your business. And if anybody knows that, how to do that, it's going to be you. Um, so I feel very humbled here, <laughs> well, especially with someone who's been trying to hire people over the pandemic, which is, has been kind of a, a challenge. Um, let's start with that. What, what have you seen has been the challenge for businesses and startups in the hiring process during this new post-COVID era that we're in? Well, it's turned everything on its head. Um, and there's good news and there's bad news. I mean, the good news is that now with this, now that companies are more open to the idea of remote employees, it opens up a huge talent pool. But the bad news is that that means companies in smaller markets that are used to having to pay less are now competing against companies in New York and San Francisco who are used to paying much higher salaries. There are no more local discounts. Wow. I didn't and even that, think of that. That makes it difficult. I, I have most of our clients are small to mid-sized businesses, often in smaller markets, and they're a little shell-shocked. I mean, they're super excited about the talent they can reach out to, but can they afford it? So for for small businesses, startups who were were used to getting cheap talent remotely, now you're saying Fortune 1000 companies are tapping into that pool of resources and now it's, uh, yeah, wow, that's, I didn't know that. That's a good, uh, right. that's some interesting information there. Um, so how do you get these people then? What, what's, what, what are some other ways to attract the talent to you versus these deep pocketed companies? Well, employer branding is more important now than it ever has been. And we work with a lot of marketing agencies who have never thought about themselves as a marketing client and the image that they're portraying as an employer. So that's been something that we've seen our clients putting a lot more effort into because they have to be able to show a candidate experience that's really positive and a culture and envir work environment that is different and will attract the top talent because it's very competitive out there. So you mentioned that they're not used to doing this and it's a marketing thing, right? So what's one example of a tactic they can use to do that? Well, think about how you try and present yourself to your clients and take that model and use it to, to figure out how you present yourself to talent. It's the same process of looking at what makes you different, what makes you special, Interesting. What, what will bring people in the door. And sometimes that's perks and benefits. But as soon as somebody comes up with the next great thing, everybody else is copying it and it's no longer special. So, yeah. you know, bring your dog to work used to be an exciting thing <laughs> for people. And now everybody's doing it. So Because they're working it, from home with their dogs. Right. So it, it's hard to compete. But I do think, um, you know, we saw the, the great resignation over the pandemic. <clears throat> and my thoughts on that, and I, at just about every candidate I talked to who left their job in that period of time, there's a similar theme in that they were sitting at home, they were furloughed, or they were working from home and disengaged from the office and thinking, I just can't go back there right. for whatever reason that was. 
and you know their their retirement account accounts were looking pretty healthy they had they had a cushion so maybe now's the time for me to get my pilot's license or buy that inn on the coast of Maine or open the bakery I've always wanted to to open and now their their retirement accounts that they were they, they were counting on to survive on have shrunk um they realized that you know cleaning toilets in the middle of a beautiful summer day on the coast of Maine is not as glamorous as you might have thought, or getting up at four o'clock in the morning to bake pies is, is not as exciting as you thought it would be. So I think we're going to see the what I'm calling the great re-engagement as people <laughs> face reality that, you know, maybe the traditional work environment was not so bad after all, but I don't think we'll ever go back to the work place as we saw it pre-pandemic. Right. I almost feel like it's the great regret. Everybody thought the grass was greener on the other side and they found it to be brown and and shaggy. So it didn't it, really it, work out so well. Yeah, it's a pretty barren landscape out there. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's a desert. There's no grass. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. The great resignation was this thing. And now I saw quiet quitting is another where people are just putting in the bare minimum amount of work. But I mean, then again, that to me seems pretty normal uh, if, if you're an employee at a Fortune 500 company, you should just be putting in the work that you're paid for. I mean, any extra work you're putting in, that's because maybe you want to get a promotion or a raise, but I guess right. people feel like they're not getting the appreciation that they deserve. So how do you, you know, how do you avoid that? How do you make sure that your employees are happy? How do you make sure that they do want to come back to you? You said, Oh, right. I just can't, I just can't go back there. You said, well, how do you make it right. so that they do want to come back? Well, I'm not so concerned about quiet quitting. The only thing new about that is somebody gave it a title. Right. Blamed it on the millennials, um, which we tend to do with just about everything. Seems like I was going to say everyone's <laughs> blaming everybody on the millennials. Everything's right. being blamed on the millennials. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so I'm kind of tired guys. of hearing about quiet quitting. It's There's nothing new about it. And I yeah. just said, why should we expect our employees to put in far more effort than they're being yeah. paid for? Absolutely. Um, Work-life balance is more important to people than ever. That's another post-pandemic um, result of the workplace and, and how it's changed. So you mentioned how people are saying, I just can't go back there anymore. But how do we switch the narrative and have them say they do want to come back? Like, what are some of the ways of getting people to come back? Right. Well, I'm far more concerned about quiet firing than I am about quiet quitting. And that is when employers have a mediocre or a poor employee, but they don't have the tools or the gumption to confront that, or they don't want to invest the time and energy it takes in resolving that situation. So they stick them in a corner, they ignore them, or they make life miserable for them in hope that they opt out. Wow. I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> I, I personally haven't, but I, this sounds more like a landlord making a, a, an apartment uh, unlivable for a tenant. Exactly. To get them to move out. Like, you know, let's, let's let the roaches loose. Let's, uh, tr you know, make the water freezing and all kinds of stuff like that. Exactly. So that's really where we need to spend our time as employers and as business leaders is really looking at what is the environment that we're providing for our employees? Are we making the investments? in our most valuable asset to maximize their productivity and their contributions to our businesses. 
And what in many some, cases, what are the some of the ways no. of doing that? Right. So what are some of the ways of doing that? Because that's what people right. want to know. Right. Well, there's a big gap between what business leaders seem to think they're providing in terms of professional development and what their employees feel they're providing. So I would say, you know, I've been working on a, a New Year's resolution list for employers to launch at the beginning of the year. And, and one of the key elements of that is take a look at your professional development. What are you providing your employees? Not everyone is motivated strictly by getting a raise. Some people are very motivated by opportunities to learn and grow, and it will benefit your company in the end. Here's an example. We have a very young employee. She came in as our executive assistant, extraordinarily bright, but no college degree, very motivated by learning. She is just off the charts, just a sponge. So our investment in her was to help her with tuition to get a degree that is related to the work we do. So it benefits us. She is very engaged. She's very loyal because we have done this for her. And so, nobody else would. Right. So think about as individuals, but also collectively as your company culture, what are the values? What are the individual's values? What are the company values? Reward people based on those. Provide the professional development opportunities. Somebody, are, Some people are more interested in a new title. Some people are interested in going to that really exciting conference. Some just want a bigger paycheck. Really yeah. think about your people as individuals and what is going to trigger them and build yeah. their loyalty and engagement. You know, these are great points, but you mentioned at the end there where they want bigger paychecks. And if one thing, if there's one thing the pandemic kind of showed us is that there were a lot of companies supposedly saying that nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work for us. Nobody wants to take our money and help us grow. But I'm not sure how true that is because maybe they weren't offering enough incentive, right? So right. In, in terms of those paychecks, is it now more of like a, a an employee's choice as to like, I can work anywhere and I can make more money if I'm choosy? Or is that not true? Well, I think that certainly the, the salaries that we're seeing thrown around these days um, and that's slowing down a little bit, but it's it's been ridiculous. It's kind of like the real estate market in in some areas right. where, you know, it's multiple offers. Everybody comes in over asking price, and they're just throwing as much money at it as they can. I think there's one, you know, one one part of it is to be competitive in the salaries that you offer, but also make make a system so that your employees have skin in the game as the company is more successful. So are they, and stock they are options. rewarded for those efforts. So, like stock options and things like that. Stock options, um, profit sharing bonuses, you know, ways to earn extra, whether that's extra experiences, extra money. Um, but having skin in the game really can build that loyalty and get people excited. I mean, and that's that's like the age old way of doing things before, kind of things became more corporate back in the day, you know, you would work for a family owned business. And then if you were able to get sales for that business, you would then earn a ton of money. So maybe it's employee X nowadays. Hey, here's a job. Here's a paycheck. But 
if you're able to get me, you know, a thousand users for my app, or if you're able to get me a thousand customers for my, my, my product, we'll give you 20% profit on each thing you do. And then they're like, Oh, I'm getting a paycheck, but also earning a ton more money if I do well. So that right. could, that could be a great incentive or like you said, stock yeah. options. And then, you know, you can sell the business for a billion bucks and walk home with a million. Right. You know? <laughs> and some people may be more motivated by extra time off rather than extra money. True. Um, you know, try and quantify some different options. Let your employees choose what is most meaningful to them. It could be time off to um, work in at a charity paid time off for that. It could be a company contribution to their favorite charity. Um, everybody has different values and motivations. And to, to think that we're going to engage people and build their loyalty by one size fits all solution is, is really not going to work in the long run. Right. And again, the title is how to hire the best talent. So I've been doing this for years in terms of hiring people for startups or business, small businesses. And I'd like to hear from you. How can I or anyone listening or watching avoid making a bad decision when hiring somebody? Or are there things that we're doing that are costing us excellent candidates because we're just doing the wrong thing through the interview process? Right. Let's say that the number one thing that turns off candidates is a, an overly cumbersome employment uh, application process. Um, asking for you know, I've filled out applications in the past where online I have to fill out every little piece of my past history, but then they also want the resume and they right. want all my references up front and they Jeez. want this and they want that. And that sounds like to, a nightmare. <laughs> and, and I fail out halfway through. <laughs> you know, the bounce rate on some of these application processes is pretty high. So, so I don't blame it, them. Right. Make it easy and inviting. Think about what your company culture is and put that out there right from the beginning. You know, I, I've got a client, the most laid back, fun, inviting culture. But we took a look at their application process and the lawyers got involved there. And there were wow. all these disclaimers. And oh, my God, it, the impression people got up front was that this was going to be a company that has their thumb on me all the time. And and the legalese was just over the top. So it's made a difference for them to look at that. But I, I think one of the important things is you, you look at any leadership development program or MBA program, there is nothing in those that teaches you how to hire or how to interview, which which makes the assumption that it's easy. Right. And it's not. I would say the, the most important quick tip I can give is to be very structured in your interviews Involve different stakeholders. Be very systematic about it. This this must be an apples to apples comparison. You need to really think about what you're asking, what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. What is the purpose of that question? Don't waste your own time or the time of your applicants with questions that are meaningless. Like what is your spirit animal? I was asked in a in an interview. What on earth does that have to do <laughs> with a business position? Maybe each and, animal has to do with a certain characteristic. Who knows? <laughs> right. And and frankly, they didn't even know why they were asking. Somebody suggested it and they said, oh, that's oh, a cool question. So be very deliberate about the questions you're asking. Think about what do I need to know about this person in order to determine whether they fit this position and with our team. Perfect. 
Super informative, Sue. And hopefully everyone watching or listening learned a bit about hiring and firing. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your business? So you can come to our website, and that is strategictalentmgmt.com. And we have a lot of um, complimentary resources on our website, as well as information about all of our products and services. Perfect. Thanks so much. And as always, we'll see everybody in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.